Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, huge guest from the band Jesus Peace, formerly of the band Nothing As Well, Aaron Hurd is on the podcast. And this is a fun one. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, Turned out a punk podcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and a new father for the third time. Once again, congratulations, Tristan. And he will get the message to me. You can also find me on Twitter or Instagram uh, at Left for Damien if you're looking for myself. There's also a Facebook page and a TikTok page and a uh, Instagram page for Turned Out of Punk, all those found at Turned Out of Punk on their respective platforms, and a YouTube page. I've not updated the YouTube page in a second, but you know, it's there. There'll be, it will be updated at some point, and there's some cool stuff on it already. So if you haven't seen it, it's new to you, right? All right. Uh, if you want to support the show, tell all your friends about it. Let them all know that you like this podcast. You can also support it by listening to it and rating it on your platform of choice. Uh, and uh, thank you for doing that, everyone who has rated it over the years. Uh, I play in a band. We are called Fucked Up. You can find out more information over at fuckedup.cc about the music we do and shows we have upcoming. And uh, and speaking of upcoming, I will be going to Las Vegas, Nevada, to the Punk Museum to do a tour um, I'm, I'm excited to see where it landed with this because obviously, you know, this is probably the, the biggest collection of punk rock memorabilia, hardcore memorabilia ever assembled. Obviously everyone's got a different definition about what punk is and what punk isn't in terms of bands and stuff that fits in. But I've seen some of the exhibits from this place and I am very excited to see it in person. And that will be coming up on July 24th and 25th. So if you are around Las Vegas or if you need an excuse to go to Las Vegas, I can't think of one better than that. So come smoke weed with me and let's nerd out and look at all this wild stuff in the uh, Punk Museum. Also, the day before, Fred Armisen will also be doing tours. And, uh, you know, we got we got some stuff planned. You know, we're going to be like a little turned out a punk uh, uh, event at the Punk Museum. You know, over the, over the course of uh, three days, I guess, in a way. Uh, and that will be, uh, you can find out more information, sorry, at thepunkmuseum.com. You can buy tickets, and uh, I promise you, I will give you, I'm, I'm doing research on some of the exhibits they've got in there now. I'm going to go 
through it early in advance, make some notes. It's going to be a good time. I promise you that. So come on out and uh, let me be your tour guide. But if you're in the Toronto area and want to come and hang out, Emissions Records and Hot Docs are doing a series of punk rock documentary screenings throughout the summer at, uh, well, a couple different venues in Toronto, but notably the Hot Docs Theatre, including coming up for the first one on July 6th. They will be screening the absolutely essential, controversial, still amazing to watch. I just rewatched it in, in anticipation of this. America's Hardcore. That's right, based on Stephen Blush's um, probably more controversial book, to be honest. Uh, the, and also a very essential book by, by, as, at the same time. This documentary is something that I saw when it first premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, and now we will get to see it again on the big screen here, July 6th. I will be doing an interview with the uh, director of the film, um, and I'm, I'm very excited to do this because, as I say, this is a film I've watched. <laughs> so many quotable quotes in this thing, so many amazing moments. Uh, I've got some great stories about watching the screening for the first time and uh, Flipper's reaction to Moby talking about being in Flipper and... It'll be a fun night, and there's going to be other screenings happening throughout the summer. So if you are in Toronto, head on down to the Hot Docs Theater, an incredible theater right on Bloor Street, and come and check out America's Hardcore in the movie theater. Oh, I'm excited for this popcorn, and oh, can't wait. Cannot wait. All right. Speaking of not being able to wait, I cannot wait to tell you about today's episode. Today on the show, as I said off the top, Aaron Hurd from the band Jesus Peace. Now, Jesus Peace is a band that has, um, well, been around for a number of years as we talk about in this podcast, but I think there's a new commitment to doing this band a little more, uh, a little more full time because Jesus Peace is a fantastic band and have amassed quite the following all over the place. Uh, they are currently in Europe wrapping up a tour. They have a brand, no, not brand new, but they've got a new record called So Unknown that is absolutely fantastic. This thing is a heavy, heavy record. And as I said off the top, Aaron also played in the band Nothing, who I am a huge fan of, because uh, I think if you if you check out my band, I, I'm normally wearing a Nothing shirt, it seems like, in most of the videos we do, weirdly. Not, not, not by design, just because I wear a Nothing shirt a lot. Um, and anyway, so Aaron played in Nothing, a band that, <laughs> you know, in addition to putting out some fantastic music, uh, is is a pretty hard living real band, so we talk about all that in this episode. Uh, as I said, Aaron is uh, an incredible front person, an incredible front person. Whether it's throwing drop kicks or playing bass with nothing, uh, he is someone I've wanted to talk to on the show for a very long time. Jesus Peace, as I say, are wrapping up a European tour right now. Check your local listings; you might be able to still catch them at a show. I think they're playing. Spain, if you're listening to this episode when it drops. And then they will be coming back here to uh, well, here to North America, and they will be touring Canada and the U.S. with Hatebreed and Terror, and uh, I think Vane.fm is also going to be playing too. So this is going to be a pretty heavy tour. If you want to see a heavy night of music, this is the tour for you, and definitely get there in time to see Jesus Peace. I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Aaron on Turned Out a Punk. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, anytime, yo. 
Well, as I was telling you off air, it's been a been a long time that Tristan has been on me to hit up Nikki, uh, your former bandmate, about getting you on the show. And as I was saying, I just I feel weird hitting up other people and putting the onus on them to make this thing kind of happen, especially because I'm super flaky. So I'm right. glad it's finally happened organically. Yes. Happy to be here organically. Well, I want to get to, I guess, being in nothing and all that stuff, but I got to start it off the way they all start off, which is, Aaron, how'd you get in a punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across it? I guess the first time was probably Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it, that dropped a little seeds in there. It wasn't necessarily, like, this is where I want to be at just yet, you know? And, uh, you know, one of my homies gave me a couple of CDs in high school, and I was like, all right. This is dope. It's it's interesting because Tony Hawk is like one of the major jumping on points. You know, it seems like punk has these moments like, you know, Nirvana exploding and then Green Day exploding, then mm. Blink-182. But then after that, it's the releases of the various Tony Hawks and which bands were on these different Tony Hawks or bands covering older bands that it was just like a necessary kind of on-ramp for, for this thing. Yeah, definitely was like a a nice like segue for a lot of people, and everybody and their fucking mama played that game. So, <laughs> like you know, it got music to the masses in, in one of the coolest vehicles it probably could have happened. Changed a lot of kids' lives. Oh my god, yeah! Like just the, just like sitting there for hours, just skating around for just like I could have been doing so many other. I could have been learning guitar, actually skateboarding, but. It, yeah, I, I treasure those tapes. memories. Yeah, exactly. I all the tapes, you know. <laughs> the tapes, the plot lines, like building your own custom skaters. Oh, next level. It was, and it also, because they were putting out, like, was it like one a year pretty much for a while? Yeah, just about. They were pretty consistent with it. And so it was like, sometimes the engine wouldn't be as good, or they'd try something wacky with the storylines, and you'd be like, yeah. uh, I got to wait yeah. for the next one to come out. Yeah. Like Madden straight up, so I'd pump them out. <laughs> Yeah, it's also like now only through having kids do I realize the reach of video games, like where video games are far bigger than any genre or record of music could ever hope to be. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I would have ever expected it to get to a point of esports like this. Mm -hmm. Like that shit is like dystopian to me. Like be a kid, like I wish I could just do this. For the rest of my life yeah <laughs> like now kids are literally doing it for the rest of their lives i know my, my, my wife's always like you know like maybe we should cut we got to cut down on the screen time i'm like well now hold up this could be a potential career like we should maybe, yeah, like, like, <laughs> maybe we should be driving into this like buying them like what do you need a video game chair energy drinks yeah like come on come on son just a couple more a couple more of these red bulls you gotta you know stay up, stay up till four in the morning playing world of warcraft Dude, imagine getting grounded because you got a bad kd last night <sighs> it would be i i think that's probably happening right because you get scholarships to universities for it now yeah for sure i mean i don't know man i, I would hope that there's not that weird video game dad that's like <laughs> i <laughs> there must be right like yeah, anywhere there's anywhere there's like potential to exploit your child for money there's a terrible parent waiting <laughs> oh my god like this kid who doesn't want to play football he's just got this dad who's like get out there kid you know <laughs> yeah but what's let me see those thumbs let me see those thumbs it's like don't forget your wrist card you can get a carpal tunnel all right we got a long <laughs> go 
<laughs> I said, I said, I want to see you ice those hands tonight, kid. It's you've got you've got kids, right? Yeah, I got one. Okay, is your kid old enough to be playing any sort of sports at this point? No, I mean he could probably be playing some like t-ball or something, mm-hmm. or like kick a soccer ball around at this yeah. point. But yeah, he's just, he's like a really big three-year-old. He's fucking huge. Okay, well yeah, they'll yeah. just like because we we had our kids in like this thing called little kickers, which is like a soccer thing for when they're like four or like, it, <laughs> and there's just parents that are like gambling on this thing like, like this is the start i got ronaldo i would keep it real dog i would not i probably would do that i probably would be gambling as well i just <laughs> i feel like you would need something uh i would i wouldn't actually be gambling i'm a, I'm a family man but <laughs> <laughs> you're ready uh, if so- they were hypothetically or allegedly i you know i might partake in something of, of, of that nature I, it sounds like a good time well, that's the thing is like, I would, you know, as, as terrible as most of these parents turn out, I would very happily manage my child's career you know? yeah, yeah. and I wouldn't go bad with it. <laughs> and honestly, dude, if you won me a couple hundred bucks, you know, it's like the puppy bowl out there. Yeah. Break them all. yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's a parent dream. It's like your child can take care of you at a certain point. Like you've put in the time, now this, right. you know? And maybe it's through this esports thing. Where did you kind of go though from playing Tony Hawk in terms of uh, musical stuff? Like, what were you into prior to, you know, punk rock stuff? Like fucking just like pop and rap music, the classic, you know, whatever I saw on TV, just intake all of that shit. Just no real like uh, drive to find new music or anything like that. I just was like an outside person, so I. Uh, you know, as time went on, I started listening to music a little deeper. Got super into block party and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, the rock of that mm-hmm. that era there. And I don't know. Then I, I just kept listening to hip hop for a while. And then fell into a bunch of punk shit in high school because of my boy Mikey. Gave me like a Dead Kennedy CD and a Bad Brain CD. Where were you kind of getting into stuff like block party from? And even in even like sort of hip rap stuff and hip hop stuff was it like MTV stuff? MTV, all MTV and MTV too, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like classic cable or like on demand shit. I'd find like videos like flicking through. It's amazing what MTV two did too, because like they did expand that playlist so much. Absolutely, and people hate on MTV, and I understand it. Cra- to be crashed and burned pretty fucking hard, but when they were putting videos up there, it was lit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like I think you know, it, yeah, punks also hate on MTV. But like without MTV, there would not be future generations of punk. Like everyone needs to find out about this some way. And if it's you know, and right. that thank thank uh, the punk rock gods that Tony Hawk came along because MTV Legit. too. You know, <laughs> like that's like the you know that's the new. And I think now it's probably through viral videos and TikTok type thing that this sort of breakout success happens like king con and the barbecue show having a massive hit tiktok hit yeah that's insane it's wild like where it can kind of go with that stuff i pray for the day (sighs) tiktok kid gets a hold of my shit same let's go (laughs) same (laughs) i'm like we're gonna try and add k-pop elements to the next record yo hell yeah i'm about (laughs) to make a shrine yeah exactly (laughs) i summoned some shit up but i wonder if like 
TikTok fame is some sort of Faustian deal. There's all this stuff where, you know, bands like Radiohead, when they got huge, how much they hated playing Creep because, like, it was the huge hit and everyone was yeah. there for it. But, like, imagine being famous for 10 seconds of your song that's also pitched up. To, like, yeah, it's true. And that's all people want to hear every night. I mean, it has to be the equivalent of having, like, a radio hit. You know what I mean? Yeah, but at least with a radio hit, they would they'd be there for the, at least three minutes. <laughs> yeah, true, true. They're just uh, there for the 10 seconds and everyone and, walks out. <laughs> I bet that happens, right? Like, once people have their shot for TikTok, like, there's that country. I saw some thing on, once again, TikTok, of this country musician who is upset because he gets this part in his song. And I guess country music TikTok, this song's gone viral. Um, and it stops in the middle of the song. And it's just like a sea of cell phones waiting for him to do this line so they can take a photo of him and he's refusing to do it just at a spike <laughs> i love that <laughs> it's like well oh, at least they're there they had to buy a ticket right you know you got to take the good with the bad there yeah what, still sold that shit in terms of local music what were you kind of hearing about locally was there a local radio that was playing like you know um stuff that was That's, happening in philly i mean i back it up in that like time period of like what are we talking here like 2000 2010s mm. i was up in the burbs around that time so like i would like hear shit that was coming out of the city like meek mill fucking joey jahad and all these like rappers reed dollars and all that and then uh that was really it like and some of the other shit i fell into from being up there was like uh like daylight or super heaven now they were playing a bunch and tigers john title fight and all that stuff and I started, you know, frequenting those shows as well. And I just kind of had this, like, all-encompassing experience of Pennsylvania's great music scene, whether it was heavier bands and, like, the metal scene rolling through or it was, like, all these kids in, in hardcore bands from, like, Lansdale or Doylestown, you know, and the surrounding areas, Boyertown and all that shit. That all was going on all at the same time. So there was more than enough shows to go to. It was nice. I think Philadelphia always has like a a consistently kind of underappreciated cultural output, you know, music wise. And it's just like going back to the early days of punk. And I've talked to like, you know, some uh, Nancy Braille was on the podcast talking to her about the early days of Philadelphia punk and like why it's so underdocumented. And she's like, well, because it's an actually like a it's not like New York or Boston where there's a lot of money. It's like this is like a legit working class kind of kind of city. And a lot of this stuff is just underdocumented in terms of like all genres of music and stuff. And, you know, it's interesting you kind of bring it up like, like Meek Mill and I guess Gilly from Philly and all this sort of stuff mm -hmm. that's happening in, in the city at the same time as the sort of the suburb, suburbs scene is kind of popping off. And I guess there's also like blacklisted and there's just like yeah. a lot of cool shit happening on a lot of different uh, scenes at the same time. Right. Like, it was almost, like, low-key an epicenter for awesome music for a while. And I mean, you know, I think a lot of bands did get recognition that came out, but I don't know, definitely underdocumented, I think. Yeah, especially in the early days. Like, looking back on that early scene of stuff, there's just so many bands that, like, exist only in flyers now, like, because they just didn't have any access to put out the records and stuff. And then even right. the bands that did put out records didn't get to put out too many. Right. There's no, no oh. Philadelphia Discord. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what was the first uh, kind of concert you attended? The first like real concert I attended was uh, 
It doesn't have to be a show, just like even any sort of concert. Those I've never really like had seen any live music like that. Like maybe in like a park or pavilion mm. until I was like out of high school. One of my friends had an extra ticket to go see uh Kanye West on the Yeezus tour. They did their last show at a tribe called well, a tribe called Quest last show, quote unquote at the time. Yeah. At Madison Square and I went to that show and that shit just I was like, I didn't even know you could do all this like live. It's pretty crazy. Huge um, show too. That's like a legendary uh first yeah. show to get to go to. It's pretty good. Uh but after that I just started going to like uh I was going to like, you know, small shows with like VFW shit and stuff like that, but that was like my first like full production show I've seen. So what was your introduction to the fact that there was like, you know, this kind of music that was happening locally, like, you know, be it the title fight stuff or, or some of the heavier stuff? My first one. I think I had gone to like a couple of shows around Lansdale super early, but I couldn't tell you what the bands were. Maybe like Leavenworth or some shit like that. Definitely like a CDC show or two. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was always up uh, popping in on shows like Siren Records in Doylestown. And they had like the Sellersville VFW too that was doing some shows here and there. And it's like Quakertown Church was nice. It was it was really just like CDC, Mother Mercy shows, wrong answer, agitator, like that whole time yeah. of music is when I started going out and seeing all these bands. It was nice. It was just the community was strong. Yeah, like, was there much of a connection to, like, stuff that was happening downtown, too, at that time? Like, was it, like, how connected were all these scenes? Were they all separate? I mean, they were all connected. Like, I didn't travel much then, but it seemed like those dudes were going in and out of the city to play often and, and like, play the church or uh, Broad Street Ministries and stuff like that. But I was always just up in the burbs. I didn't drive or anything then, so just chilling. When did you start playing music? Started playing maybe in like 2011 or 12 like i would make like songs in my friend's basement from time to time in like 2011 or something or 2000 not 2010 probably like senior year and uh that didn't really go anywhere but then i started like playing out with like a couple little bands and more so around like 2012 i've just been keeping it rolling ever since so what was kind of the early stuff you were making music wise hmm it's really bad metalcore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just, it was fun. Community was sick. Like, we were all hanging out all the time. And I don't know. Did you play live with any of those bands? Or any of that yeah, stuff? De- definitely, yeah. Just, like, swing on people and shit, acting crazy all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, bands break up and just try again with a couple more homies. That, you know, the fucking, the, the cycle, you know what I mean? Yeah. And one stuck and it was finally Jesus' piece. And we just ran with that. You're like a, a you got like an unbelievable voice and a, a pretty incredible front person. Like, were you doing, were you like singing in these bands up front early on? Or are you yeah. playing? Yeah, I was fronting these joints. It's kind of like, played, go on, sorry. What's up? I was gonna say I played bass in some band other than nothing too called Hell to Pay, but the only other vocals, you know. Yeah, it's funny. Like uh, I don't know, like I find like uh, being a lead vocalist is like a different kind of thing. Like 
you know, like the ego becomes so much more a part of the equation Yeah. when you're anyone else in the band, like you have an instrument that you kind of can retreat into. Right. Uh, do you find it's like a different mentality when you're do when you're doing nothing stuff versus when you're doing Jesus piece stuff? Oh yeah. Big time. I had to like tone it back a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause even when I did first start playing bass with them, like I'm used to just playing with a pedal that's like max the fuck out like there's no real expression going on we're just you know shredding out but when i started playing with them i had to like chill and like learn expression and not be like smashing at the bass like i usually would and on top of that like i couldn't all my movements are aggressive essentially when i'm on stage out of muscle memory so i had to just like learn how to take a fucking breath and just like relax <laughs> maybe step back a little bit yeah <clears throat> but at one point, Nikki was just like, yo, fuck it, dog. Like, just wall out. Who gives a fuck? And I was like, all right. Yeah, I started front flipping into the crowd and shit. <laughs> I love nothing. I like, I love yeah. those records you did with them because I, I like, I love the whole band the whole way through. Like, I think it's like, uh, know, such a cool vibe. But, you know, maybe, and maybe it was just the times that I've been around it. It seems like it would be a really hard thing to tour because it's like not, it's like 100% a lifetime, lifestyle kind of experience like there's no yeah no second gear yeah (laughs) it's just full on it's a bit turbulent for sure uh i was like always a big ass fan of nothing before i even joined the band like i guilty of everything was one of my favorite records yeah yeah absolutely and uh so when i did join i was kind of like all right fuck it like it was very much a fuck it moment and i just wasn't really I didn't realize what I was getting myself into initially, but at that point in my life, I was just like, you might've met the right person, bud. <laughs> we just kind of went down this like psycho ass hill for a while. But honestly, we made some sick ass records together. I love those guys. So how did Jesus piece come together? Oh man. It was like those three dudes, like John, Dave and Lewis, they were just uh, all working at guitar center together. And it, you know, they finally ended up working together, and, and then I got patched in later on a little bit, and they, like, got the music together, and I was like, yeah, I'll do this shit. And then we tossed Anthony in at the end in the mix. Well, it's wild because you guys have been together for a while, but I guess because nothing came up, and then obviously the pandemic comes up, mm. you know, even though it's, like, almost 10 years now as a band, it feels like it was a lot of start and stops almost. Yeah, I mean, it was... It very much was that. It was a start, like a hefty ass start, and then we just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a big part of that, I think, we just like we're very burnt out. You know what I mean? And we were touring a lot, and maybe not making some of the best decisions with some of our tours, and it, it took a lot out of us. You know. Mm-hmm. And I think just taking that step back a little bit really did us you know, some good. Uh, but outside of that, scheduling issues as well with me, you know, double dipping. Yeah. But I think until you do it, like people don't really appreciate what a grind being on the road can be. Yeah. And that's even if you're like not going full hard, like we're talking about with nothing too. Like if you're just like, just the, the grind of getting up and driving from show to show and then playing mm-hmm. a show and then trying to get down, like, you know it can it can be you know like it's no wonder so many bands break up like it just it can drive you nuts for sure 
it it takes a, a certain kind of person to be out there for that long. And, Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, and they're usually crazy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like there's like a madness that comes. I'd say after the third week on a tour. Absolutely. Third week, if you're lucky, I call two and a half, which you're right. gets yeah, weird. Was, you're right, two and a it's half started. is definitely ten days is the is the cutoff. <laughs> it just starts unraveling, you know yes. what I mean? Slowly but yes. surely. <laughs> it, it just gets it, it. It feels like it eats your perspective, and it yeah. and it also just is like this weird thing where it's you know the, and I know people talk about this, but the isolation of being in a van with a bunch of other people is very <laughs> immense. Just like being in space with like two dudes you don't fucking know that well. Yeah, I can't watch. I can't watch movies that have to do with like cabin fever or the idea of people being trapped in a place because it just—it's like I know dude. what it's like. Dude's farting and shit. Fucking <laughs> smelly ass socks. It's just crazy. But I mean, we 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 do. You know, we get by. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill well has it changed the way you're approaching jesus piece now having done sort of that sort of like full-time nothing oh yeah big time like you said only doing vocals for so long comes with a lot of ego and uh uh lugging around a fucking fridge cab and a huge head you know yeah. what I mean? And helping drums and doing all that shit. It definitely smacked me in the ass for sure. And like, you know, gave me a lot of empathy for my brothers on the strings. Uh, so <laughs> I came back and I'm always helping it load out and shit. I'm like always there getting after it. But before I'd fuck off a little bit, I ain't gonna lie. So you're saying I got to learn to play the bass and then I'll, I'll finally le- be good at, at load out. <laughs> at least, at least the bass. <laughs> The bass, at least, dude. Yeah, it it, it does feel like I don't know it's, it's interesting. I just had this guy from uh, actually uh, this guy who plays in the band Rambo from uh, okay. Philadelphia. He was just on the podcast, and now he's a a uh, director of photography. And he talked about in film, there's above the line and below the line, and like the people that are above the line are like the directors, the producers, the people that and the actors, obviously the people that will get like residuals from the movie, and then below the line are all the other people that work on the movie. And those are people that won't get a piece of it on the back end. It feels like in bands <laughs> above the line is the singer and below the line is everyone else in the band. <laughs> in, a, in a sense, yo, I, I would, yeah, honestly, like I feel like more people should, should give the dudes uh, a lot more recognition for what Jesus piece does. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I damn sure cannot write that shit on guitar. No. That can't happen to No, I played a baseline. But like, then you watch, like I watched the don't speak, uh, no doubt video so much differently now being a lead singer than I did as a person that saw it when it first came out. Like it's not you that does it. You know, right. it's kind of the way 
people perceive bands and the way the bands are taken up, especially later on in the media, like the lead singer is where everyone's eyes go to. So it's, you know, you can't help but wind up getting fucked up by it. Legit. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it it comes that time in a lot of people's, I mean, career where they just have to take a step back and be like, okay. (laughs) Gotta go play bass and nothing. Yeah. I I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, it's it's cool. It's so awesome too because I can't think of two more different sounding bands than Jesus Peace and Nothing. Yet, you know, obviously you're the direct link between between the two of them. But then the other link is sort of this this greater Philadelphia area scene that we're talking about mm. that can kind of like bring together uh, uh, just like a, a lot of disparate kind of people, and also like because of that, like a lot of disparate tastes, and make something kind of like new. And interesting yeah. as a result yeah no doubt you know i think the last few years especially jesus piece is kind of like as much as you've been a band for 10 years it feels like the last sort of like two or three years it's really kind of like gone from being like this sort of beloved thing in hardcore to kind of this next uh, world or, or whatever what's that been like to kind of like see happen because it's also kind of coincided with hardcore and think in general hitting this point yeah i think there's a lot more eyes on the genre for yeah. sure um, but no, it's kind of weird because it, it can't very surprising. You know, you went through quarantine thinking that uh, we there probably wasn't going to be any live shows for a long ass fucking time. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like we're smoked, dude. Like, this <laughs> ain't nothing's fucking happening, dog. We're done. And uh, for the exact opposite to happen on like a digital scale was pretty awesome, you know. But I think people just got a hold of these videos of us playing and kids losing their fucking minds and they're stuck in the house. And I think maybe it just resonated with some kids. And You're right. It's like kind of like the perfect genre to kind of come back to uh, reality with. And I remember, I remember like watching people like wiping down their gro- groceries and just being like, yeah, the idea of people jumping on top of each other, screaming into a microphone is never coming back. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm smoke, dude. Yeah, no one. one. This is the last thing in the essential service list. (laughs) Blockbuster employee might be more essential than the lead singer in a band. Oh, it was fucking stress, son, stress. (laughs) Yeah, but now it's like, it makes sense that like something so visceral and something so real and the antithesis of being like stuck in your house would be the thing that kids want to come back to. Right, just total 180 on it. You know what I mean? Just like, all right, that sucked. Let's do the opposite ASAP. Yes. I guess it's just rebellion. So what? Like, have you noticed a difference in the type of kid that's coming out to the show now? Versus yeah, like... I mean, it's not the usual just hardcore dude. I mean, maybe I'm talking from a, a weird place because I just got off that tour with, you know, many different kinds of bands you know so there was a different i'd say different kind of crowd than usually a jesus peace show would you know would have but uh a couple different people have said like hey i come to shows in my town where i would know everybody and it's just this flood of new fucking kids i don't know anyone like i feel old Mm. and i love to hear that you know (laughs) even seeing these shows are just kids that aren't even they've got no identity in this they're just there to fucking wall out like that's all they care about and i think that that 
is something that was lost for a long time. Like it's easy to go to Europe and you play a festival and there are people who are there just like, I'm just here to fucking rock. <laughs> like, like you just get up there and do some shit. They're fired up. You know, like I feel like that was lost in America. You come back and then you know, you're back to the usual grind. You know, everybody's got like, you know, who they fuck with and that's who they fuck with. Like mm-hmm. there's less of like this. I'm going to try to win over this crowd feeling and then uh, to come back on this tour. And it's just like a bunch of kids that are just like, I'm like fresh out the fucking crib. I'm ready to go. Like who the hell is even playing tonight? I'm just here to have a good time type shit. It was awesome. Like I've never had so many kids come up being like, I've never been to a show before. And this was like the coolest thing I've ever been to. Yeah. Cause I can, I understand why kids get protective of it and like try and hold on to it and be like, this is my thing for sure. But you can't have it because otherwise it's just going to die. Like you need, you need the people that are there just wiling out that wind up being the next generation of kids in bands or kids discovering it, you know, like without that, like (laughs) there's no, there's no Tony Hawk now. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, I, by, for the record, I do understand gatekeeping. I do. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, especially something so awesome. Sorry. Right. I was going to say, but everybody has an old head. You know what I mean? Like, you meet some kids, you're like, yo, let me put you on to some shit. You know what I mean? And that's how you you weed them out over time. You're like, yo, check this shit out. See what he likes. Yeah. Yeah, I've always felt like punk and hardcore is a party that everyone's invited to. Not everyone has to stay, but everyone's invited. Right. And then that's where it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, and it's interesting how... I don't know, it just feels like the level of just how wild these shows are is just so different from when punk explodes because normally it's like kids coming in and it sort of dilutes down the culture of what these shows were. But it just feels like all these kids are there to just like <laughs> to mosh and just go nuts. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's really nice. Do you feel like there's like a resurgence in terms of this happening everywhere or is it just in certain places like we've been on these tours now does it feel like it's happening just about everywhere i went like uh i would have a friend around town or something they would all say around the same kind of rendition like dude i recently there are just new people everywhere like i don't even know where they're coming from yeah like it seems to be happening everywhere and that's a good sign to me you know yeah where's uh what's next for you guys uh, we're gonna go do outbreak uh, over there in Europe or in the UK, rather. Sorry, my bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Resurrection Fest in Spain. We're probably gonna do a couple of dates over there too. Uh, I don't know, maybe some fun shit in the fall too. Planning out a headliner, doing all that fun shit. Would you ever want to play in two bands again, or is this something where you realize now Ooh. it's not really tenable? Leo would have to be much older. Yeah. But- yeah, because when I was doing that, I was doing like you know almost nine months. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a lot. <laughs> it it does change the way you like feel. But I got three kids now, and it's like uh, well, not now, like as of six yeah. years ago, I had I had an operation to make sure there's no more coming. Yeah, but <laughs> I was gonna say something. It was <laughs> crazy. I did not know. I did not know. Um, and it's, it really is, uh, I don't know, just completely changes the way you approach touring, the way you want to approach being in a band. And 
has it has it changed the way you write songs? Uh, in a sense, yeah. Like I don't want to be like too gloomy anymore. Yeah, she's gonna like grow up and be like, "What the fuck, dude?" Yeah, <laughs> I was like born like around this. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that too, though. But there's like a quest for positivity now, right? Like that... I, I don't feel like I want to spread the negativity as much as yeah. I might used to like i'm way less cynical about the world for sure yeah i'm I'm like i'm in a constant <laughs> need for optimism like i need to know that i i didn't <laughs> i didn't screw them over by putting them into this world for at least <laughs> their duration <laughs> of their lifespan <laughs> definitely uh and it's it's terrifying like i don't Let think me it's ask all... you go on uh when you're on tour now do you find yourself checking in with everybody making sure they're okay like all on dad mode yeah dude i this last tour, I'm like, how's everybody doing? I'm like, you're right. You like you need anything? Yeah. Most of my day was spent like checking on people, making sure everybody's like comfortable. Like, oh, oh, you mean your band? I thought you meant calling it back home. No, I don't check in uh, on them at all. No, 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 I was checking in on the people, but like on the tour too. I'm like walking around, I'm like everything all right? Like y'all okay? You need anything? That's because yeah. of your experience below the line. You know, you, you know what it's like to be the bass player in a band. It's true. So. It's true. I got the empathy now. Yeah. That's not, that didn't come from being a dad. I still have the lead singer damage way stronger than the dad damage. <laughs> I'm trying to be better about it, dude. We got to build up our fucking foundation, son. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay. I know. But I feel like, you know, once again, it's the Gwen Stefani thing. It's not me. It's just the world that yeah. made me this way. <laughs> but it's also like, you know, like I was telling this to another friend of mine who is the lead singer in a band, so he was very empathetic to this uh, description of it. But it's like in chess, you know, the position yeah. of the king, the piece of the king, it's ultimately the least powerful piece on the board. Right. But, but if it's gone, the whole game's over. Right, right. And that's the lead singer of a band, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't do shit. But <laughs> Yeah, true. Without you, like, what are they going to do? You know, like how many successful bands are there with it? Well, I guess there's a couple. Like, don't don't tell them about Iron Maiden. Uh, yeah, honestly, if they bounce, I don't know what the fuck I'd be doing. I'd be like, yeah, we'd, we'd we'd get a tape. We'd just karaoke style. We'd figure it out. I was gonna say, I pull up with the boombox. You know yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do an evening I'd be of smoked music. without them. Yeah, I'll say yeah. I would definitely be <laughs> I so guess screwed. It- just like chess, nigga. If it's just the king of the board, you're smoked. So I mean. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly like chess, you know? That king on its own, is, it's it's a sitting duck. It's made right. in two, right? So. Dancing around a couple squares. You ain't yeah. doing no work. <laughs> Very much like a lead singer, too, you know? <laughs> we got our little, our little thing. But it's funny. I had a, a friend of mine who passed away, and uh, he was a lead singer in a band, and he... He told me that as a lead singer, you will wear it differently than anyone else in your band and they won't understand, but it's true. Like when anyone takes a shot at your band, it's never like they're never taking a shot at them. It's taking a shot at you as the lead yeah, singer. No and it's I mean, go on. Sorry. I said, honestly, that's how it feels sometimes. And I have to be like, they're talking about the music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not me it's not me i could do it with someone else if need be but then also because because you're the lead singer it's not like when the band's over unless you're going to do a different style of vocal it's not like you can really necessarily start another band unless you're scott vocal i guess but like yeah yeah. it's hard to like rebrand essentially yeah yeah yeah. 
it's like the hardest position. Like it's once again, like the king. It's completely useless without other pieces. <laughs> it's true. The double-edged sword of being the vocalist. I don't know. It's a uh, a thing. Obviously, I've I've learned to realize is a shared psychosis amongst all lead singers. But you know, it requires the the person that's going to go up there and just lose their cool on stage and just like act like a, a fool up there, right? For people's enjoyment. And it's like, you know, once again, you take it out of that context of being in front of a band, you just look like a crazy person doing what Hell we do. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like if you saw me doing that shit out front of a seven eleven, be over. It's over. <laughs> can you can you do like your vocal without music? Because I find that impossible. Yeah, I, I hate to do it. Like studio shit is yes. so weird for that reason, you know? Yeah. Like I definitely had uh past issues with studio anxiety and vocal stuff. But I always like if I have to get it fired up, I have to do this like weird like gorilla grunt just to like get that going. Yeah. Cause like during my normal day I speak so quietly that I have to like wake it back up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But like on on like tour I just kind of fire it off, you know. But home's a little different. Yeah, home definitely. It's uh when you go in the studio in the midst of like parenting and you kinda gotta get in that headspace, it's you know. Thank goodness for one. cannabis and, and other ways to get there. Legit. <laughs> Yo, I uh, Randy had me fucking recording vocals sitting down this time. Oh, weird. Yeah, very odd. I, but it went so hard. <laughs> wow. Like, like, it actually helped so much. I was able to get so many different sounds and shit because I wasn't, like, tensed up. Mm -hmm. But it took me a second to, like, really fall into it, you know? Were you sitting straight up or were you like kind of lean oh, yeah. back? Fucking chorus style. Yeah. Yeah. Straight in my back, you know, and just like get back to like actually trying to practice it as a technique instead mm -hmm. of running around like a psychopath. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was able to pitch up and down a lot easier and, and fuck with some different sounds. And that's where the range came from. I sat my ass down, but usually standing up, I'm all tense. The veins are going. You know, next all strained up. But it's it's interesting because like I feel like it's such a maligned vocal style by people mm -hmm. and misunderstood by people that that don't do it. But like, yeah, the technique required to like pitch up and pitch down is insane. Like it's really yeah. like something that comes with time of doing this stuff and like legit. And it's hard to do this vocal. Like that's the thing. Like a hard to do a harsh vocal. Absolutely, dude. I think. Uh, the first time I started doing vocals, like when I was doing those basement songs, mm -hmm. I was stuck at like a, a, a higher to mid range vocal. I didn't know how to go any lower than that. And it took me like a couple of years to finally be like, oh, all I need to do is fucking relax. <laughs> <laughs> Just chill. Just chill out a little more. Like, you know. Well, that's what I found like also, like, because I've, you know, for years when I was straight edge, I'd blow up my voice and then I'd like. Yeah talk to people and they'd give you all sorts of different advice on how to like preserve your voice like oh no sugar or no. drink lots of honey yeah, or you know like it was always conflict that. you know it's always conflicting and uh one time i was told that uh to drink the juice from like a can of sardines and uh, i'm like i don't know but then once i started smoking cannabis and i finally relaxed i realized it's all about being relaxed right dude think about it like that's a lot of muscles of respiration right in there dude Mm -hmm. if they're all tense you ain't gonna be able to drop nothing you know 
So I always like stretch my neck out and shit, like my lower jaw and stuff. And just one, because I've had that shit like tense up on me one time. Like I got like a cramp, that shit cramped. And it was one of the worst cramps I've ever got in my life. <laughs> and you're like in your throat type neck thing? Like, like these two guys. Here, oh shit. Yeah. Like they tightened up. Yeah. It was insane. It was terrible. Wow. It was like one of the first times I ever did vocals live that happened to me, like a song in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, hope that never happens again. <laughs> I, uh, I find like, you know, it's, it's, I used to have this anxiety disorder thing. I probably still, I, well, I definitely still have it, but like I used to treat it with anti anxiety pills. And right. if I took the Ativan, I found the, whatever the tranquilizer in it would relax part of my throat that I couldn't get it to sound the way I wanted to. I could never get it harsh enough for some reason. Oh. And it was really weird. It was like this weird side effect to it that mm. I couldn't take it before a show. Otherwise, like, and I'm sure it was imperceptible to anyone but me that the right. vocals were off. But for me, it was just like, it was the equivalent of losing my voice. It felt like. Yeah. It's such a deep, like, I, tr I hate trying to explain anything about vocals to anybody kind of it's like such an odd thing to try to talk about yeah no it is it's like the weirdest like you know trying to explain when people are like what do you do for a living it's like oh, i sing in a band it's like oh yeah like uh what do you sing like <laughs> or like what kind of music I'm like i i yell like i yeah. i like i just trying to describe it to someone who has no fam like familiarity with any of this stuff it's just like yeah. like what are you talking about <laughs> Yeah, I do the screaming and shit. That's what I usually say. Yeah, yeah, I yell. <laughs> like I do the screaming and shit. I mean, doing the rah rah stuff. Yeah, yeah. I always say Lemmy from Motorhead because I feel like it's the most mainstream kind of harsh vocalist. Like, oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Lemmy. Love him. Love him. That's the other <laughs> thing. You, could, you got a fifty percent chance of getting someone that loves Lemmy too at a board as a border guard. <laughs> As a border guard, <laughs> it's definitely you know the, you're gonna meet more uh, more friends than that than if you're like reference why die or something as being a vocal right. point. I'd be like, who's dying? Yeah, who's, <laughs> what what band? What band? That's for my money. Jackal has one of the best vocals of all time. Dude, I gotta listen back. Dude, they're awesome. There's like there's like a lot of once again it comes back to Philadelphia. There's this band called uh, the Serial Killers. From philly hmm. do you know this band no i do not know those serial killers they they uh you know were like kind of i guess gg allen-esque kind of vibe but like not quite as horrific but um <laughs> apparently when nick cave and the bad <laughs> seeds played Lollapalooza, nick cave didn't come out but instead the lead singer of the serial killers came out and performed the first part of the set instead of Holy nick shit. cave yeah just because you're out of boredom or what i don't know like i guess uh they had to go on after green day and uh, John Worcester um, from Philadelphia Legends, uh, Psychotic Norman, told me the yeah. story that he was at the show and they had to go on after Green Day. And apparently it was like kind of a, a bit of a letdown of a vibe for them, I guess. And it was the mm -hmm. middle of the day. So instead of Nick Cave, out comes the dude from the serial killers to sing instead. <laughs> Love that. I think so, Nick was just like, I'm good. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to sit back here and eat cheese. And he probably had, he was probably trying to do the deuce from Pat and Gino's. And, and I uh, was just like, no, you go out. I got to, I got to work this off. <laughs> I got to, <laughs> a cheesesteak's doing a number on me. I got to do it. I got to do, I got to do, uh, I got to do something about this thing. <laughs> it's probably eating soft pretzels and just was like, Yo. no, you got to go.
I hope he was, honestly. He had like bread hiccups. He's like, I can't. I there's, just can't. A, there's a lot of good <laughs> bread related foods in Philadelphia. I'm just thinking Philadelphia. We do good breads here, man. I'm I'm for real. We got wild ass rolls. Yep. Yep. Yeah, wild ass pretzels. Yep. And the pizza. Philadelphia style pizza. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's my favorite. People always give me shit for this in New York and Connecticut, but I, I think Philadelphia style. Oh yeah, dude. New Yorkers are hard to talk about pizza with. I just don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, it's but, very religious. I I mean, I understand it. What I don't understand is that pizza's not that good, son. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's what it is, bro. <laughs> like looking around over my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I was like <laughs> New York nigga in my closet, like, yo, fuck that, son. <laughs> I I definitely love I have love for all types of pizza. And, yeah, for sure. And uh but I do think there's something about that Philadelphia style where it's kind of like it's what people love about the Detroit style but toned down enough that it's like I don't know. It's my it's my go-to. I love I love a nice Sicilian slice. Yes. Yeah. I'm a Sicilian guy, but I love a nice fucking like a thick thick breaded pizza, you know. You ever had you've had Angelos up in fucking Wilkesbury? Eh? I don't think I have. Ever oh, been Angelos? Shit. We went to Pika. We used to go to Pika's. Pika's. I never had Pika's. I think it's near Fishtown, maybe. And oh, uh, oh it, in Philly. Yeah, in Philly. Okay. And they have uh, cherry Coke there, where they had cherries in the uh, actual cherries in it. <laughs> it's really Pika's? good. I really I don't know re- if I ever had that. And then there's like a couple sports bars downtown. That do that like sheet pan pizza, mm, that uh, mixing all that down by uh, first Unitarian. I guess around there and stuff. Andy Nelson took me to some spot that was like probably mixed awesome. And then yeah, sandwiches like ridiculous. Like I had a, a deep fried lasagna sandwich one time there. Where'd you get that shit from? I gotta try that. Pin, pin, uh, something Brothers, I think the name. They have two locations. One in like kind of like a market. Permonte Bros. Permonte Brothers. That's it. Thank you. Gotcha. They're a Pittsburgh company. Oh, really? Oh, no. That is not Permonte Brothers. They're Permonte Brothers. Is that the one that has French fries in their sandwiches and yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's a big ass French fry joint. No, this is you like an Italian else? sandwich thing. That's like, like... Denix or something. Maybe they have two something? locations. Yeah. Okay. Know. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we go on forever talking about the Philly I stuff. Know, right? I'm like a a fan. Well. Aaron, if you ever want to come on here and talk about hardcore or Philadelphia food or whatever, you know the door is always open. Love that. Thank you for having me. I've had a blast shooting the shits. Thank you, Aaron, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Aaron will be back at some point in the future for a splits or another episode or something. And check out Jesus Peace on tour this September and check out that new album because it is fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, I have fantastic news for you because coming up on the next episode is stand-up comedy legend Kyle Kinane. Kyle will be on the show. This is a this is a deep episode. Kyle also played in the Grand Marquis. I don't want to undersell his punk credentials, but we go deep We talk about all sorts of stuff, Chicago punk, international punk, politics. This goes all over the place. I'm excited for you to hear it, and you will hear it right here on the next episode of this podcast. Well, that is it for me. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter, the lives and issues faced by indigenous peoples all over the world matter. 
We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and their rights. Stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths and all this other stuff. Because we're, we're not talking about politics here. This is, this is real base level human rights stuff. People deserve to live free from hatred, violence, and oppression. I add to this that uh, we need to make sure that people keep their hands out of other people's reproductive choices and allow people to choose what they want to do with their reproductive systems. I say this as a, a very scared Canadian looking at potentially dark times on the political horizon. And I say this as someone looking all over the world right now and seeing this happening. So if there's organizations that are affecting positive change in your community, get involved. Donate time, donate money. You know, there's there's lots of ways to be involved. And it'll maybe help you feel better. Maybe, you know, affect positive change in um, the world around you. Speaking of about affecting positive change in the world around you, if you are into punk and hardcore, if you're into music in general, do it. Start a band. Start a fanzine. Start a podcast. Well, not a podcast. Start a... Do anything. Anything. Just make your own culture because it gets better when you contribute to it. Speaking of getting better when you contribute to it, Sign your organ donor cards, because when you contribute to the number of organs out there, you can perform miracles. Because they don't come for those organs when you're still alive. It's not like that Monty Python sketch that was wholesale ripped off by you can't do that on television. Like, they didn't think that anyone would ever see the Monty Python sketch or know about the Monty Python sketch. Anyway, you know, they don't do that. So go out there and... and uh, you know, live your life, but sign those organ donor cards because when, when that life is over, you know, maybe there's a way to give life to someone else or help someone else's life. It's morbid. Speaking of morbid, you want to get out of those morbid thoughts, try meditation. I know a lot of people that I talk to that have come to this thing fairly recently. Obviously, people have been doing it for centuries and, and there's practices that go back probably as long as people have been conscious about uh, <laughs> you're trying to find a, your place in the world. Uh, but I, it's new to me and it is relatively speaking new to me. And it is definitely something that I recommend to people to try as it was recommended to me and I ignored. So, you know, ignore me, maybe wait for someone more qualified to tell you to try it and then try it. Well, that is it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. Stay safe. I love you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.